Well, what is up, movie lovers? Welcome back to the Movie Night Apologetics Podcast. And today I'm going to be going over one of the most talked about movies of 2023, and that is the movie Barbie. And I'm going to get my short, brief, little review of it. And one of the reasons why I chose this movie is because it is an extremely important discussion for our society today. And I really want to talk about uh, the culture's view of what masculinity is versus what masculinity actually is in the Bible. What is God trying to tell us what masculinity is in his written word. And I just want to show you just how countercultural Jesus is with the way he treats women in the Old and the New Testament. And also, I'll be giving you two book recommendations that I read, and I really think you'll value the insights in them and what they have to say about this extremely controversial topic. I love these books when reading them, and so I hope they ble- I hope it blesses you when you read them if you choose to buy them on Amazon or if you're against Amazon, any other bookstore, and that you purchase them and that you read them with clarity. And so anyways, with that, let's start the show. Whether it's comedy, action-adventure, drama, horror, and everything else in between, all movies at least have one thing in common. They all share a message with you. This is Movie Night Apologetics, where I, movie apologist Clark, review and examine movies and their messages from a Christian perspective. Everything was perfect in Barbie's world. Her hair was always in perfect condition. Her heels never touched the ground. And all her girlfriends lived a life where they were in control of Barbie land. And the men were subject to women. And every night was girls' night. Barbie has a great day every day. And Ken, well, he only has a great day if Barbie looks at him. That is until one day Barbie woke up to harsh reality. She had a thought about death. As the day progressed, her heels touched the ground, she fell off her house, and her hair was getting messed up. What was Barbie to make of all this insanity? Was it a bad day or something more? Desperate to figure out what is going on, she decides to visit an outcast Barbie called Weird Barbie. Now, Weird Barbie gave Barbie advice to go to the real world and find her owner so that she could get back to her old, normal Barbie self. Her and Ken both set out to the real world only to discover that it was nothing like Barbie land. Ken learned from the history books what it meant to be a man and took off back to Barbie land so that he and the other suppressed men could take over the land again and subject the women under them. What will Barbie do when she finds out that Barbie land, the place she loves and adores as her home, is ruled and governed by men? I guess you'll have to find out when you watch the movie because now we're going to do some spoilers, kind of, sort of. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I guess you'll have to find out on that too. But anyways, I just want to give my review of this movie. It's going to be short, brief, because it's been a few months since I've watched it. And I'm going to be honest, not one of my favorite movies. I've seen 
quite a few movies in 2023, and this wasn't one of them. But I figured it's so popular that I should get on here and talk about it. And I just got to say, for starters, it's it's pretty cheesy, okay? I know it's a Barbie movie. I get it. it. Like, what am I expecting? But honestly, the graphics really, really horrible. I mean, especially when they went off to Barbie land, from Barbie land to the real world and those graphics. I'm like, I, I just, I can't, I can't do it, man. It, it's just too much. Like the graphics suck. And again, I get it. It's a Barbie movie. What am I supposed to suspect here? But, Whatever. But I think one of the good qualities of the movie was they picked out some really good actors for this. You know, you got Ken, uh, Barbie and Ken, Marigat Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Uh, they were perfect for this role. They definitely resembled like Barbie and Ken pretty well. Not that I am, you know, versatile in all Barbie knowledge, but I mean, just looking at the dolls of both Barbie and Ken, I mean, they resembled both Barbie and Ken in the movie. So they did an absolute fantastic job with the casting of those two characters. And yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on, on, on kind of like that short little bit of review on it. Uh, you know, one of the quotes from this movie that I kind of want to go over so that way I can kind of springboard into the discussion of the day. But at, towards near the end of the movie, we see Gloria is the mother of Sasha. She's the one that gave her daughter the Barbie doll. And she says towards the end of the movie, um, you know, Gloria's in the car. I believe she was with Barbie. Don't quote me on this. She's either with, with Barbie and the daughter or just her daughter or just, Barbie. I think it was just Barbie. And I, I, I want to read you kind of this long quote. And this is Gloria, and she's frustrated, and this is what she says. She says, it is literally impossible to be a woman. You're so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can't can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. If you ha- if you have a boss, but you can't if you have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the dang time which is really hard, by the way. You have, not that I would know being a mother, but I'm just saying my wife talks about our kids all the dang time. (laughs) But you have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. 
but always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself in a knot so that people will like us. And if all that is also true for a doll just representing woman, then I don't even know. And I really found this quote interesting because she's talking about this societal pressure that both, like honestly, uh, men and women put on women, more so the men. But Gloria, she's expressing and she's letting out all her frustration with what women have to deal with on a regular basis. And she says at the end of this long, drawn out rant that she is tired of watching herself and other women tie herself into knots so that people will like her. And I think part of the message that this movie is trying to convey to us is to feel the weight of what women have gone through in our society. And I think it does a pretty good job of that because they're trying to contrast. Okay. See, you know, here's Barbie land and she and all her Barbies rule this land. There's no men doctors. There's no men judges. There's, you know, men are objects. They're subjugated. And that's kind of what society has been for a while up until the last few, you know, 20, 30, 40 years where women were able to do things and women stand out. And so there, there was a lot of message in that movie and we need to ask ourselves as men, you know, like, are we putting on unnecessary burdens on women? And can we actually look back in our history and admit that, let's be honest, we have suppressed women and mistreated them and their voices? Uh, let's just be honest about it and really reflect and look at that. And, you know, I could think, yeah, I, I would say so. Now, I know there's been a lot of pushbacks from guys on this movie. And I just want to say that no matter how, you know, our culture or women perceive masculinity, if you are a man, if you are a follower of Jesus, both you and I, we still have to treat women with dignity and respect. Even if the movies show men as being weak, even if the cartoons portray guys and the dads in particular as dumb and naive, even if women don't respect us first, we have to treat women with respect. And what I want to do after this commercial break is I want to go over the two definitions of masculinity and talk about how God actually treats women in the Bible. And my hope for you is that you see this a little bit differently uh, from what Ken was doing in the movie. Because what Ken did with going back to Barb Land, taking it over, is way different than what a Christ follower or what Jesus would do. So we're going to talk about all that right after the commercial break. You guys want to know a secret? 
Just because I have a podcast out on the podcasting platforms doesn't mean people will find the show right away. I know it's crazy, but it's true. So in order for this podcast to reach people when they search for a new movie podcast to listen to, I need your help. I would love a five-star rating and review from you. This will help greatly reach people because my goal for the show is to help people, whether they are Christians or people from other religions or beliefs, understand the Christian worldview through the movies and their messages. So if you haven't already, please pause this right now and rate this five stars and leave a review. I would appreciate that so much, and that would just mean the world to me. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode, and now let's get back to the show. So in the Barbie movie, masculinity is defined as basically looking at women as objects, nothing more than things that are to be used by men, and masculinity is also defined as saying, you got these big muscles like Arnold Schwarzenegger type muscles and cool cars, being rude and abrasive, putting women down and not giving them a voice. And so I can honestly kind of see why our culture right now is so against masculinity is because they have a different definition of it than what the Bible has a definition and uh, and what it means to be masculine as a man in a biblical context. So you got the two definitions and society doesn't really like the one. And when Christians say, yeah, masculinity is biblical. And then our society says, wait, what? Um, that's biblical. Okay. I don't want anything to do with the Bible, because you see, there's two definitions here, and we have to define it so that way we can reach, we can reach our culture and give and let them know, like, no, like what Ken was representing was not what the Bible represents as masculinity, and so that's where I want to go to because. I want to show you just how the way Jesus treated women. He's the example of perfection for men and women, but also he's the ultimate definition of what it means to be masculine. So first, I want to start out with how he came to this earth, because I honestly don't think we get this as Christians of just how incredible it is for us to think about God taking the form of a man and being born in the likeness of flesh, coming to this world. Remember, Jesus is God in the flesh, and it says in Isaiah 53, 1 through 3, and this is I'm like this is the Bible, okay? L- just listen. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of a gr- dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed, esteemed him not. He could have come into the world as one of the best looking guys out there. But he didn't. 
He was born in a feeding trough in a stable. He was the only one born in human history. Think about this. The only one born in human history that could have been born wherever he wanted. And yet he chose to be born in one of the lowest places on earth and lived in Nazareth, which is just some podunk town. Not only that, but he chose to die on a cross for his friends and his enemies to pay for their sins. We believe as Christians that Jesus is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. And Jesus says in John 14, 9, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So the way that Jesus treats women in Scripture is the way God the Father treats women. If you look at the Gospels, you will see how he treated women. And he treated them with dignity and respect all throughout his ministry. So first, I want to start out with, this is the first thing. Jesus respects women. In Luke 10, 38-42, we read about Jesus going over to Mary and Martha's house. These were two sisters. One sister, Martha, was a gal who wanted a clean, pristine house for Jesus to be in. And the other one, all she wanted to do was to be at the at Jesus' feet with him and his other disciples. In the culture then, having a woman staying in the presence of men was not acceptable. Women were supposed to be in the kitchen with other women and serve the men. But Jesus lets Mary be a part of the conversation. He doesn't see her as a servant, but as someone who belonged in the discussion with the disciples. Second, Jesus actively listens to women. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus interacting with the Samaritan woman. Now, in our culture, for a man to talk to a woman really is no big deal. I talked to a bunch of women at work today. No big deal, right? But in that culture, 2,000 plus years ago, it was considered inappropriate. Jesus was a Jewish man and the woman was a Samaritan. And the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other so much that it, instead of Jews walking through Samaria to get to another town, they would take a longer route to avoid Samaria. I mean, you think we have um, these little pithy culture wars between uh, conservative and liberals? I mean, this was to the extreme. It'd be like, um, I'm not going to go through, I don't know, L.A. to get to San Diego. I'm going to go all the way around to the other states of California, all the way to get and spend like, three day, more days rather than hours to get to where I need to go. I mean, San Diego, I don't know what they're politically are, but I'm just saying like that is, that's how tense it was with the Jews and the Samaritans. They really hated each other. The Samaritans were considered as a mixed breed. They were worthless people group to the Jews. They were less than dogs. The fact that Jesus was Talking just to a Samaritan, mind you, was scandalous. But to be a Samaritan woman was outstanding. 
outstanding. I don't know why I said it like that. Outstand, out, out, outsting, out, oh my goodness. Okay. <clears throat> Apparently I can't talk today, but anyways, the, the fact that he is willing to compromise his ritual cleanliness by associating with the out, this outcast, she would come to the well, draw water at the hottest part of the day when nobody else was there because she wanted to avoid being with others. I mean, probably there's speculation with this, but probably because she felt ashamed of living with someone who wasn't her husband. So she was the outcast of the outcast here. But here we go. Here comes Jesus, the son of God. He comes to her. He sees her. He talks to, with her. This is why I love the the Gospel of John because he really sees the one in it. You got the adulterous woman. Uh, you have the woman at the well. You have the man born blind. You have Nicodemus. I mean, he really. This Gospel is all about seeing the individual. And so, after a while, she believes that he actually is the coming Messiah, and she goes to the town, she proclaims the good news that the Messiah is here, and the funny thing is, is his disciples had nothing to do with it. It was her and Jesus, she saw the Messiah, she ran, she told other people, Jesus, his disciples come back, Jesus is like, hey, we got a harvest coming up here, there's going to be people believing that I'm the Messiah, and I'm like, okay, let's go harvest. <clears throat> but, you know, the interesting thing is, is Jesus didn't call her names for being in a relationship after relationship and living with a guy who wasn't her husband. He gave her value. He gave her a voice. He listened to her. And she became the first missionary in human history. Even after the resurrection happened, Christ appeared to woman, uh, a woman, Mary Magdalene, and she was the first to proclaim the resurrection to the disciples, to a bunch of men. In other religions, the so-called God tells the kids to honor the, the father, but in Christianity, God calls us to honor our father and mother. One of the judges in Israel, Deborah, was a woman. There were women prophets in the Old Testament. There were women in the ministry with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus was very countercultural in this way. He adds value to women. Third, Jesus defends women. A few chapters later in John, we see, again, the woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees are there, and they want to stone this adulterous woman for being so scandalous and sinful. So, all right, you know, here's here's Jesus. What's he going to do? Is he going to stone her? And Jesus, he gets down on a knee, starts writing in the sand. And scholars really believe when he is writing in the sand, he is writing Jeremiah 17, 13, which says, Lord, the hope of Israel... All who abandon you will be put to shame. All who turn away from me will be written in dirt, for they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. And so here is Jesus. He's writing in the sand, probably relating back to Jeremiah seventeen thirteen, And he's potentially calling them out for their extramarital affairs and says, Hey, if any of you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Because remember, the woman was caught in adultery. 
Where's the man in this scenario? Ah, he gets off scot-free. It's men. You know, men, they could do whatever they want, but women, they gotta, they gotta obey the rules there. But men, no, they, but Jesus is like, nah, uh, uh, uh. And one by one, they dropped the stones. And Jesus said, hey, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, sir. Jesus looks at her. He's probably on the ground with her, looking her in the eyes. And he says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. The one who was able to condemn her, because remember, Jesus without sin, he was able to condemn her, he didn't. He called out the other man's sin. Jesus is a defender of women. So Jesus respects women. He actively listens to them. He partners with them in ministry and he defends them. Now, I'm certain there's going to be some pushback on this. And some will say, but doesn't it really say in scripture, uh, women should be silent in the church? And what about the wife submitting to the husband? I mean, all that's in there. And I would say, yep. All that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's all, it's all there. But here's the important part is we have to remember that while the Bible was written for us, it wasn't necessarily written to us because there's context involved. There's historical context involved. I mean, you know, if you go to church right now, you probably go to some local church, wherever you're at in your, in your town. And guess what? You're, you're going to see, I mean, unless you're in a, like a really strict, rigid church, uh, most churches, women aren't going to be wearing head, head coverings, but that was in the Bible. That was in first Corinthians. So that, that's all I'm saying. Like, so for example, when it says that women should be silent in the church, we have to look at the culture of the church in Corinth. So most likely in the passage of first Corinthians, when it was written, uh, because women were being disruptive in the church, women were talking over the one teaching. And so Paul dresses this and says, Hey, they need to keep silent. Quit talking over the person that's teaching. And I love what Emmy, um, who helps me give insight into some of the stuff that I write about on the show. She says that she says, interesting study regarding what Paul is saying, study the temple of Diana, which I know nothing about. It's a society of Amazonian women and extreme matriarchy, much like what Ken saw as a man's role in his reality. This was the case in this culture, in the context of first Corinthians. And so men were emasculated and used as tools and Paul is calling for balance. And so I thought that was interesting. I need to research and look more into that, but you can see like we have to, yeah, it's in the Bible. Yeah, that's in God's inspired word. But again, there is cultural 
context. And then we have the verse that says, wives submit to your husband. So men and pastors have really abused that verse and seem to skip over the verses that says, hey, husbands and wives should submit to one another. Also, just a few verses later, uh, Paul tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So guess what? To love your wife as Christ loves her is to do what Jesus did, which is respect, listen to her, defend her, value her, honor her, all that, lay down your life for her. You may think that, yeah, but you know what? My wife doesn't deserve my laying, me laying down her life, my life for her. And with that, I would say, well, you know, you don't deserve Christ laying down his life for you, but he did it anyways. Because he is love and he is good and he is kind and he is gracious and humble. And by the way, how you act toward her shouldn't change if she isn't treating you with respect. We are commanded as men in scripture to love our wives as Christ loved the church, regardless of how they treat us. So can you just picture now the difference it is to be a man in the biblical sense. It's radically different than what our culture says. Being masculine isn't about having huge muscles, being controlling, putting women down, treating them as objects, etc. Masculinity is about laying down our lives as men and treating women the way Jesus treated women with dignity and respect and as equals, as image bearers of God. And so that is just, man, that was my heart for this because I, I just, I could just see a lot of Christians push back against culture and say, no, masculinity is good. And they're saying masculinity is bad. And it's like, um, are we talking about the right masculinity here? Because again, two def- different definitions, you know, it's just like with Mormonism a little bit. It's like, we got two different Jesuses here. We need to define what Jesus we're talking about right here, we need to define what masculinity is. And so when you're talking with someone about this at work, or I don't know when a conversation like this would come up, but I'm just saying like, just ask, okay, what do you mean? Like if someone's like, say you're talking to someone, like, ah, you know, men and their masculinity, maybe you're talking to them about the Barbie movie, just say, oh, what's wrong with masculinity? And then point, and then they ask, or they share what their views are on masculinity is, and then you would know, okay, that's what you mean, okay, it's like the Ken person in the Barbie movie, okay, well, can I just show you what it really means to be a man in the Bible, and like show you how God treats women, and point to these verses in John and other parts of the Bible, and and that's that way we can engage our culture, and show them like, wow, Jesus is actually radical and different, and it's so much different than what our culture thinks. So anyways, I just thought I'd share that. Uh, before I go, I wanted to recommend to you, like I said, those two books that I have read that I think are going to help you grow as a follower of Christ. The first is one of the most influential books in my life. Like I'm not even kidding. I mean, other than the Bible, this is like one of the top five Books that have been the most impactful. I mean, it may be the top two, top three. I mean, really solid book. 
and it has helped me to be the man that this world needs me to be. And that book is The Men We Need by Brant Hansen. And I've talked about it on the show before. And I just want to say that I'm not, you know, when I talked about those three different things about Jesus respecting, listening, and defending women, it actually came from this book. It came from a chapter called How to Treat Women. So I'm not on here and brilliant being like, oh, see, I, you know, I came up with all this on my accord. No, I just listen to wise people in this. And I just ask that, especially if you're a guy listening to this, man, buy this book. I'll give you, I'll put the link in the description for you and you can click on that button and order it and have it sent to you and read it and really practice the things that Brant talks about in the book. And if you're a woman, I highly encourage you, whether you are married or single, to read it and either give it to your husband for him to read so that he can treat you the way you should be treated. Or if you're single and you want to be married, then read it and look at the qualities of what it means to be a godly man and look at, see, okay, this is the type of man I want to marry. I want to marry this kind of man. Man, I just, I, I highly, 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 highly recommend The Men We Need by Brant Hansen. And so the second book I want to recommend is called The War on Toxic Masculinity by Nancy Piercy. This book is about the history of how our culture came to the point where it hates the idea of masculinity. It was a really fascinating read, and she said why our culture is the way it is, and obviously one of those reasons is sin, but also because of the Industrial Revolution. The Industrial Revolution led men away from their families, so no longer were the men being the moral guides for their children. Now they were working in factories where they competed with other men to get to the top. Whereas before men were using their skills to help the community around them. Maybe some guy knew how to, I don't know, make make farm equipment to help with the farming and another guy knew how so I don't know like you just get my drift like it was more of like hey I help you you help me so we can survive together in this and so the industrial revolution it was all I mean it's just all about gaining power over people you worked with and she goes into a lot of depth and research and history where society went from thinking masculinity was good to now where we find it toxic so, both The Men We Need by Brant Hansen and The War on Toxic Masculinity by Nancy Piercy are fabulous reads. Hansen's book is really good about the practicality of how we should live as men, while Piercy's book is a good read on history of how masculinity has become toxic in our culture. And I actually want to read you a quote from that book because she used to be a radical feminist and believed men were toxic before she became a Christian. And this is from the introduction of her book. I heard many stories that sounded horrifyingly similar stories of men who projected an impressive image in public, but were monsters in private. It would have been easy for me to join the media chorus condemning toxic masculinity. But as a Christian, I had to acknowledge that what God has created is intrinsically good. It is sin that has distorted and twisted his original good creation. The, the real problem is not inherent flaw 
in masculinity itself. It's that American society has become secularized and has lost the biblical vision of manhood. What Ken did there at the end, or towards the middle of the end, when he went back to Barbie land, is not masculinity. It is clearly sin. Period. Game over. That's what it was. It was sin. Masculinity involves respecting, listening, and defending women. That's the call that God gives us as men. We are to lay down our lives the way Jesus laid down his life for us. And I think, if I'm going to be honest with you, if women got to know that kind of masculinity, I honestly think they would get on board with the biblical version of what masculinity is. Well, I've gone on long enough. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Don't forget to share the apps, the episode with a friend of yours and rate the show five stars. Special shout out to my wonderful wife, Bethany, and for helping me with the notes on the show and making this podcast better for um, you listeners. And shout out to Emmy who gives me better insight into the content I bring up. Both of these women are amazing. And I'm super grateful that I can be on mission with them in proclaiming the kingdom of God. So with that, like my friend Blaine always says, don't party too hard without me. What? Catch you guys later. Whether it's at home or at the movie theaters, Movie Night Apologetics exists to help you, the listener, know the Christian worldview through the movie's messages. I am movie apologist Clark, and this is Movie Night Apologetics Podcast.